welcome everybody to Kenter at Your Own Risk. This is Kent. I'm here with Chris. Uh, this is our seventh episode. Uh, this is our fifth Game of Thrones episode. It's May 15th, 2019. We just had the uh, penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. And here we are to uh, break it down and probably make some jokes. So, how you doing, Chris? Uh, well, I'm pretty angry, man. I think you uh, and uh no, not even not even just about Game of Thrones, although, you know, that's what we're going to talk about, but I mean, I just I don't want to bring politics into it, but the stuff that's going on in this country is fucking crazy right now. So if you have any kind of rational rationality or common sense, please fucking take a step up and say no to the fucking retards that are running our country at this point in time. Now that my rant's over, yes, Game of Thrones also pissed me off too this week. Not because I disagree with what happened within the episode, but I don't think it was earned yet. This right here really reinforces the notion to me that we needed a 10-episode season in order for all of the plot points to land. And unfortunately, we only got six, so everything feels rushed and shitty at this point. Well, so, my first question was, Chris, did this season need 10 episodes? (laughs) Yeah, uh, this... This episode, more than any other episode, illustrated the need. Like, now that we've seen what most of what season six or season eight has had to offer us, uh, what? Why? Like, did they ever give us a re- real, like, legit reason why they cut it from six to ten? Was it a budget thing? Do you know anything? They said budget, and. You know, I'm inclined to, to believe them because look how much dragon we've had in these last, what, three episodes? Four up? I mean, with the, the dragon racing scene in episode two. Um, that, and I'm beginning to believe, too, that a lot of it was just impatience. You know, you have probably have people like Sophie Turner, Kit Harrington, Amelia Clark, you know, Lena Headey, Nikolai Kosterwaldo is picking up a bunch of lead roles now, eager to do stuff outside of Game of Thrones, you know, what they've done for the last 10 years. I mean, shit, look at how young um, Maisie Williams and I forget what the guy's name is who plays Bran were when the show started, and now they're fucking adults. Um, In addition, you know, I'm sure that once Benioff and Weiss got hired by Disney to to do the next Star Wars trilogy, they were like, shit, we need to start working on this because, you know, Star Wars is basically the only thing outside of Marvel that would be bigger than Game of Thrones is, so... Uh, I think it's just a, a com- combination of things. You know, um, they said they sat down with George R. R. Martin for two weeks when they were getting to the season where it was going to pass by the books, and he gave them an outline and plot points of where he wanted to go with the characters. But it's, it's also feeling like, you know, the, they're hitting what he wanted them to hit, but the lack of detail is starting to kill them now. So things that would have been fleshed out in the books with interior monologues and you know, listening to a person's reasoning or emotions to d- cause them to act in a way that we would seem to be irrational based on, like, a, an hour and 30-minute episode. Uh, we're missing out on that in context. So if he ever finishes the books, I think going along hand-in-hand hand with the show, we'll see maybe not a better version, but at least a more detailed, thought-out rationale for why a lot of the actions that happened in this episode took place. I... I think it has to be better because, as you said, like, we know. They're rushing it. Simultaneously, I start to think, like, I, I get the point that everybody's probably eager to do other things, but 
it, it almost feels kind of like uh, I don't even know. Like the final season of The Office never quite felt right, and to me, I'd just rather everything end the way it's meant to end. I mean, really, in the grand scheme of things, what's four episodes? It's not much in any of these actors' careers, but it would have been enough for every to send people home. Maybe not so much. I don't want to use the term happy, but more fulfilled. Yeah, who knows? I mean, if you look at the documentaries that they go along with the episodes and they talk about just doing what, almost two months straight, 16-hour days just for part of the Battle of Winterfell. That's I mean, crazy. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows how much more it would have added on. Um, at the same time, you know, like like this feels like we saw the non-director's cut version. And if there are, you know... To, to make another analogy, we've we've seen the Joss Whedon version. We haven't seen the Snyder Cut. So, um, you know, if uh, if it existed, which I don't think it does, it would be an awesome fucking thing to see down the road. Like, if they had any kind of deleted footage, you know, for, for when they release it on DVD, that would be the time to do it and say, hey, you know, here, we got this. We got this other shit. We'll let you see it. But Yeah, um, I agree. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to completely damage... HBO or the credibility, but I definitely think that Brandt took a big hit in this last week. Huge hit. I, I've had, I've had people that, you know, outside of our blogging circle, if you will, like write to me, especially like on Monday, is like, just generally upset. And normally I would just make fun of people and be like, haha, that's funny. But like, people are fucking invested in this, and uh, I. My only th- thought is wait to see how it ends. Like if it ends shitty, so be it. But if this sets everything up and our minds are blown come Sunday, then you know whatever. So would that I mean, be? I don't. I don't really know how it can be though. I, I, at this point, I don't think there are going to be too many people who are going to be happy. I mean, um, no matter what we get, like just just how rushed and the sudden left turns that everybody took, you know, will make people feel unfulfilled in regards to character arcs. And I mean, admittedly seeing how they played out this episode and the preview for the next episode kind of shows you like where the plot points are going. But yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We've been, uh, we've, we've been bitching for a little bit here, but rightfully so. Um, far as I can recall, like, the opening was, uh, with Varys, uh, he was sending out some, uh, notes, and Tyrion basically was a worthless piece of shit, yep, I'm bad-mouthing a character that I've loved, and, uh, ratted him out to Danny, and Varys got got in a very cool-looking scene, like, when the dragon showed its face, that was really cool, I liked how they did it, but simultaneously, I'm so annoyed because you know how I feel about Varys. And I'm not one to turn on Tyrion hardly ever, but this caused me to turn on Tyrion. Uh, I don't know. How'd you feel about all this? Oh, first we got the little whole Varys talking to Jon Snow saying, Hey, uh, dude, you're going to be a better king than she is. Come on, fucking work with me here, buddy. And like he, Tyrion was watching right there, so it's A, right there we're seeing... You know the show's lack thereof of um, you know intelligence once it's gone past what George has written, 
Because, you know, I, I don't think in any normal world Varys would have been, like, out in the open, like, hey, Jon Snow, you just got off a ship. There's a whole bunch of Unsullied standing around and Tyrion's watching us. I just talked to him about betraying Danny in, you know, your name, so why don't we fucking uh, bro up and go fucking take, take shit? No, I mean, you mean the been... Master of Whispers wouldn't have done yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll get into Tyrion later, because I think where he ends the episode can be referred back to to this part but um yeah I, like uh, it was you know I, I, as i was watching it i'm like kent's gonna be unhappy you know especially considering that like one of the last things we talked about on the the, the podcast versus the blog was like your prediction that you wanted Barry on the iron throne i was like oh that's not happening now sorry buddy yeah total, total failure on my part uh there were definitely swear words said out loud. Even though I was alone in my, my room, I was still swearing at the TV, swearing, swearing, and swearing. So, not happy. And to me, like, everything you just kind of described, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but this is one of the bigger examples of this episode that had it been a 10-episode season, I feel this aspect, this storyline, would have been fleshed out a little bit more. Oh, I mean, we haven't seen Varys with one of his little sparrows in, what, three or four years? So right. all of a sudden, he's got one. We can tell that he's already been po- trying to poison Danny, but how long this has been going on, we don't know. I mean, was this yesterday that he had to talk with Tyrion and now he's trying to kill her the very next day? Or has this been, you know, a couple of weeks? You know, it would have it would have worked, you know... Tyrion's arc would have worked if there had been, like, one episode between when he and Varys had their talk to the last episode watching this you know the shit start to build up then dissing on him to danny then like another episode between that and then where she and he end at the end of episode five you know it would have it would have made it more meaningful as it is it's just kind of like it was a stupid decision boom oh by the end of the episode you're gonna fucking regret what you just did 40 minutes earlier yeah it's it's just the pacing thing and uh, this is something I want to address like later on, but I I genuinely feel like I'm curious. So like for somebody that's never seen the show, like when they finally go and re and watch the show, when they get to the season, are they going to notice a difference in pacing? Or are we being nitpicky? And I think that they're going to notice. I think it's a huge thing. I think they will notice, but maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. Uh all right, I don't have the exact order of the next few things, but uh, they're all kind of on their own, so I feel it's easy enough to break them down here. Um, I had a Danny and John conversation uh, that I want to talk about next. Yep, that was, I believe, the next thing that happened. Ah, uh, score one from me. So, and this one, I don't know. It, it was a good scene. Uh, I mean, we walked away thinking Danny's like, I don't know how to describe it. You want to put some words into it? All right. I think I think in this this is the scene that really sets up what happens with her later in the episode more so than anything she talks about with Tyrion or any of that shit. But you know, like I think the main thing to pick up on in this one is that no matter how much John says she's his queen, um, you know the the two things two main things are when she says, "Well, Sansa now knows that anybody who finds out about you is going to get killed." So that's that's one of the two things. That was a huge thing, yeah. And the other thing is when she says, 
do you only see me as your queen? And she goes to make out with him, and he kind of recoils a little bit. You know, that's like, okay, those two things are what fucking drove her over the edge. You know, if I can't have love, then I'll take fear. You know. You know, it's like this big moment, really, because, I mean, the joke always is, you know nothing, Jon Snow. And if he's finally picking up on something and recoiling, like... I liked I liked this. I really liked especially how John Kit Harrington. I liked his acting in this particular scene. I I just thought he did a really great job with it. Yeah, he's he's a dude who's like in love. He's probably thinking with his dick a lot because, you know, for so many years he didn't get to use it or was afraid to because he didn't want to create another bastard. Um so he's got this this beautiful woman that he respects that he's attracted to that's helped him out that seems to love him back and all of a sudden you know he finds out his aunt maybe that makes it a little hotter for him maybe it doesn't but now he's seeing that okay now there's another side to her that i've been neglecting you know the one that my sisters have been talking about where she's willing to burn somebody to death with her dragon instead of you know try to address the issues that the guy had with her i mean doesn't that kind of sum up in some weird way, it kind of sums up the relationship up to the point that you move in with each other. So you're dating, you're dating, potentially fucking, everything's going good, you're happy, and then you live together, and then you start noticing the things. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, cool, I can totally tolerate this bullshit. And a lot of other times, though, you were like, oh, I cannot handle living with this person type thing. I, I, I felt like this scene like kind of summed up that feeling and a very short period of time. I, I That's why uh, my one piece of relationship advice that I'll toss out this week on uh, Can't Hurt Your Own Risk with Dr. Theophilus is uh, make sure you live with somebody that you're potentially considering to be a mate. I have you told young the, people that all the time. See the foibles and tribulations that you will be enduring for the rest of your life if you believe in monogamy. I, I had this conversation just tonight with my friends Tom and Kaylee. I'm like, People need to fucking live together because uh, what you you don't know what the other person's like until you live together. Once you live together, you know for a month, you know is a month's not long, but you know shit after a month. You know well, shit. Not only that, but honestly, how often do we really objectively look at ourselves and look at like the bad traits that we have? Sometimes it takes another person to point out you know, the shit that we don't even realize that we do to, to fucking put it in perspective. So yeah, it's two-sided. Definitely, you want to know if they, you know, pick their fucking toenails at the dinner table or, you know, if, uh, you know, maybe sure. you're a fucking asshole and you just don't even realize it. A lot of people are oblivious. We humans are oblivious. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Danny's pretty fucking oblivious right uh, now. Yeah, I would agree. Um... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Danny and Tyrion have their conversation about him not fucking up again or else he was going to die? This happened before Tyrion and Jamie had their conversation, right? Yes, because uh, the thing right before she tells him he gets one more fuck up is when she tells him that she captured his brother. Oh, yeah, and he was like, how did how'd you guys find him? And it was because of the fucking hand, right? Well, he... Jamie tells him it's because of the hand, but he was like, what the... I thought he was in Winterfell. She's like, nope, we found him trying to sneak in to talk to your sister, so <laughs> fuck up one more time and you're dead, little man. Ah, god damn it. it th- this episode definitely... 
illustrated everything that's been said this season about Tyrion and his fear of Danny. And we're going to get into Tyrion much deeper, but this was a good scene to set up what was coming, pretty much, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I, I will jump right to the Tyrion and Jamie conversation because had I not been pissed off, I think this may have actually been like my second or third favorite uh, scene in the whole episode. I thought this was a great scene for nostalgia, for you know everything, because you know harkens back to when Jamie told Tyrion, "Yo, you gotta go, gotta go before you get killed." type thing like that whole conversation in prison that's you know exactly what this felt like and i, I loved it what, what was, did you have anything that you took away from it the jamie and Tyrion scene yes it was probably one of the best scenes in the episode like i was fucking tearing up and crying but admittedly i'm also one of those people who had a brother that he had issues with when he was younger then became uh closer with as they got older so you know i can relate to a lot of the shit that they fucking went through but, uh, you know, like when Tyrion, you know, uh, Peter Dinklage fucking sold it in that, that scene. Like when he breaks down and starts crying when he's about to, you know, send his brother, he thinks, away, you know, for the rest of his life, never see him again. Knowing that he's putting himself in danger to do it. Yeah, that, that fucking got me. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that they teared up. And, I, you know, I feel like I probably would have had I not been mad. Like... My my anger prevented me from crying, I guess. So yay. Um, now I don't have. I didn't rewatch the episode before this like I normally do, so I don't. I'm probably missing some stuff here. But my next thing that I have is Danny just going and fucking up Euron and his boats. Like, was there anything else that kind of happened that, that I'm missing? Like some something important? Uh, yeah, I would say. Um not necessarily anything important, but the, I think they did again, uh, and this was probably less of an issue than the Battle for Winterfell was. But I think this was one of those episodes where they did great with the the cinematography and great with the framing of a lot of the shots and the special effects and the the editing and all that. And like uh, parts of this episode remind me of the season six, was it yeah season six finale. Uh, in regards to the way they use sound um, to convey the emotions, so we we had the scenes of Arya and the Hound, and then Jamie trying to get into um, uh, the Red Keep, bef- with you know the the people within the city before you know the actual attack occurs, and you know and the, the the way they use the the beat of the music to kind of you know show the uh, anticipation. And the fear of all of the people, I think, worked really well. I, I would say, and a lot of people may overlook it, but the sound and music in this show is one of the... I, I can't think of many shows that do sound and music better than Game of Thrones. It's a very underrated thing, but when they nail it, like... And you look back at it, you're like, oh yeah, like that just added everything to it. It was really good. Now, you said Arya and the Hound. Is that when Hound told her to go back the way she came basically or is that later on that's later on this was just okay. the, the scene where you saw the two of them pushing through the crowd and like Arya saw the the woman and her daughter yeah for yeah. the first time okay you know and, and like they make it into the red keep with the crowd and jamie gets stuck outside by like 30 or 40 people and he's trying to <laughs> yeah, r- <I'm> s- <laughs> wave his gold hand to get fucking 
I sat there and I was like, I I had this like inner uh, conversation myself, like, how well did Jamie know King's Landing? Did he know the lay of the land exceptionally well, where it was going to be simple for him to find, you know, find Cersei, or was he not accustomed to it based on you know his lifestyle up to that point? And I still don't have an answer. Do you think like he knew King's Landing incredibly well? Uh, yeah, I think he did. I mean, you got to remember he was Kingsguard for two different kings, or three different kings: Ares, Robert, and Joffrey. He lived in King's Landing for longer than he lived in Casterly Rock for. Who was you know, the King's Guard for Tommen? Uh, basically fucking the mountain, I think, at that time. That makes sense. I mean, uh, I'm trying to remember, but like, I don't really recall them creating like a whole new King's Guard. You know, like they didn't. If they did, they didn't really show it. And I think he was the only one that Cersei announced for himself, herself. So I'm trying to remember. I think the mountain was there to like force Tommen back into his room. In the Winds of Winter episode, when he was about to go to the uh, high, uh, the Sept of Baelor. Gotcha. Before she blew it up. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, at this point, then Danny fucks up Euron's shit, right? Yeah, we get the like the wind blowing, and Euron yeah. finally looking up and seeing the dragon fly by with the banner saying, It's not yours. And, um, yeah, all of a sudden. Unlike last week, where everything the bad guys did was like super powered, it was like they got nerfed in the patch bet- between this, you know. And so now, like the scorpions couldn't hit shit, and they couldn't aim them, they couldn't turn them fast enough. Yeah, so it was really good thing that like they didn't attack last season before they had them when she had three dragons instead of just the one, you know. Uh, I. Me and Russ, we, we talked about this, uh, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, and this was like a thing that like we talked and talked about, but I was like, seriously, this episode did so much to undo what the previous episode, which I feel the previous episode got it wrong. I feel this episode got it right as far as how the dragon was pretty much unstoppable. The dragon should have been unstoppable previous episode, because everything that I can find... Like, in writing says that really a dragon's not going to get got unless, like, it gets pierced through the fucking head, like, through the eye. And I I don't know. This episode seemed more truer to everything that I thought I understood about A, a simple fix that I've seen a lot of people saying, and I completely agree with it, would have been, you know, okay, have enough of the scorpions there to drive the dragons off last episode so Mistandy can still get captured, still die. You know, still have all that shit. Then, uh, you know, say most of the beginning of this episode plays out exactly the same. You know, she... Oh, the one thing we did mention with the Tyrion and Danny scene is, you know, she agrees or, you know, nods at least to him to agree to spare everybody when the bells in the city start ringing. That was such a huge thing and I completely fucked, and fucked that up. My bad, so, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no problem. So... So then, when we get through to this part of the episode where Danny and at this point it would be her two dragons, are fucking shit up and we're seeing how effective they are, you know, and she lands after the fleet has been destroyed, after every single fucking scorpion, as Krybern says, has been destroyed. Maybe have one scorpion left and have it fucking kill Rhaegal, and now that's what causes her to fucking flip her lid and go berserk because her second to last child was killed. Instead of, you know, just looking around and being like, hulking out. 
you know, like both Hogan and The Incredible. So I don't know. Well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I like that fix. It it makes everything fit so much smoother than what we got, basically. And uh, what, whatever. It, all right, so I had to laugh, and I'm going to guess you're, you probably laughed a little bit too. Like, the gold company, they just... They were more useless than the Dothraki at night. Like... Well, my other question is, I thought all the Dothraki got killed, and yet then we see like the entire front of the army is still Dothraki. A shitload of Dothraki, despite most of them supposedly... Yeah, I, I, I have so many questions that are never going to get answered, but yeah, I was confused too. And I really liked, though, the head dude of the gold company. Like I loved... Because he didn't have... I don't even know if he had hardly any lines, but his acting Not was this really episode. good. <laughs> It, it was really good acting, I thought, like, the way he... I don't he know. really sold me on his oh-shit face. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, you know, once Gold Company's gone, I think, you know, we go to Cersei. At, at some point, in this, you know, as you mentioned, Kyburn says that Scorpions are gone. And you're suddenly realizing Cersei has no real plan B. And that just does not seem like a Cersei thing. Am I wrong in saying that you would think that between her and Kyburn, they would have had like a plan A, B, and C? This not only showed that she didn't have a plan B, she didn't have a plan A. So yes, I mean, it's not people, I've seen a lot of people complaining about Cersei's death too, and, you know, how she dies and that she dies. It's not that, you know, her death wasn't merited or warranted or died in a way that shouldn't have happened. It was the fact that, like, she's been a step ahead of all of her opponents, like, for the last eight years, basically. She's been winning this quote-unquote game of fucking thrones. And and then you find out that she had just nothing. That was it. She, she had no preparation, nothing. They had no backups. You know, it was... It wasn't even like she was, you know, like, planning on luring them in and then using the last remaining stocks of the wildfire to like blow up Danny's army in retribution. You know, just nothing. It, it reminded me of like, you know, you play a video game and then like you play a kid, play a video game with like a kid, like your child or something. So you kind of take it a little easy and next thing you know, like they're kicking your ass and you're like, wait a second. What just <laughs> like, she's been so smart. And all of a sudden, like she's, she wasn't the same person all of a sudden. And, I really wish that they had given us a rhyme or reason why she wasn't thinking as clearly as she normally would. I, I would have liked... A, I know pregnancy. I, I know you can fall back on that. But to me, she's been so fucking ahead of the game. It bl- it really blew my mind that she wasn't prepared enough. And Qu- Kyburn, like that dude's on top of shit. And as you mentioned, the wildfire. Like we see wildfire... During the rampage, at a few points, I'm like, so they had more of it, and it wasn't used. That that was confusing to me. Well, the the problem with that, and what they didn't really explain, was the fact that Ares, you know, Danny's father, uh, the whole reason Jamie killed him was because he had hidden stocks of wildfire throughout the entire city, and he was just gonna, he was intent on because he was paranoid, and during the rebellion, he thought the other guys were finally gonna win that he was going to kill all of the citizens of King Landon by blowing up those stocks that he had hidden. So Jamie didn't kill him 
just to betray him and be a traitor, he killed him because he was actually saving, you know, the million plus, however many residents of King's Landing that existed were. But, you know, it never got out that that was the whole reason that he acted the way he did. You know, so, that, so then that also puts, you know, Jamie's whole fucking character arc into question. But, you know, these, I would have imagined that they would have been searching nonstop, you know, trying to find them in some way and would have found him eventually. But yeah, I mean, so those were the wildfire that she blew up when she was destroying the city rather than, you know, them purposely putting the shit there. Right. Uh, just another another thing that frustrated me. Now, on to something else that frustrated me, unless I'm forgetting something in between, but my next thing is when basically the Lannister army surrendered, Grey Worm wasn't having it, and John just looked like a fucking helpless child as far as a commander. Like, he was fine defending himself. Like, he was defending himself with ease. But for a guy that they just told us last week was, like, the fucking bell of the ball, the guy that had everybody's fucking respect, he couldn't, like, get hardly anybody to listen to him on the battlefield, which it just kind of went against what we what they told us. I, I don't know. Help me out here with this. I can't. I mean, I fucking can't. Like, uh, I mean, the one thing I'll say for him is at this point, when that shit starts happening, because right at the same time as when Danny goes shitstorm fucking psycho and decides to just kill every second fucking innocent person in the city. Um, I don't know. For some reason, Grey Worm just gets fucking set off at the same time and they decide they're going to slaughter fucking unarmed uh, enemy prisoners of war. Um and then the Northmen, the North, out of all of the people who did, I could see the North being like, you know, not necessarily we're going to fucking kill and rape and murder all of the fucking people of King's Landing, although we do get that one scene where not only have they told us John's such a good leader and this men follow him, because, but then we have one of his fucking own soldiers try to kill him for fucking stopping the dude from raping him, a uh, girl. But uh, I could understand the, the North people wanting to kill the Lannister army for all of the shit that those dudes have put them through for the last fucking six or seven years. Uh, so I could understand re- revenge there. But yeah, it's just... I mean, and you can see that they're showing that, like, John and Davos are fucking still have their minds around them, and they're like, hey, dudes, come on, what the fuck is going on? And eventually some of the people start listening to him when he's like, hey, we need to, we need to get out of here, we need to fall back, get out of the city. But yeah, it was just like another in the long lines of nonsensical things that didn't make fucking sense. If if they had told me that the Night King and Melisande were still around and they were fucking manipulating people's emotions, this episode would have made sense. <laughs> yeah, I yo, I'm not even I wasn't even upset with Grey Worm. What Grey Worm did made sense to me. It was just John's overall lack of leadership in getting through to his men. Uh, it, it baffled me. Was this the point with the bell? St- Started ringing too. It was actually after the bell started ringing. After it, okay. Because remember they, they, the they threw down their arms and everybody's like, Tyrion's like, ring the bells, ring the bells, ring the bells, and they're standing there and everything's kind of tense and all of a sudden the bells start ringing, and that's when Danny fucking just makes a frowny face and fucking starts blowing the shit. Out. Like all of a sudden her dragon fire got turned up. It really reminded me of like a Dragon Ball Z episode where Drogon like ate a senzu bean and powered up and now uh you know and then gray worm was like krillin and he's like yeah let's go fuck these dudes up i i love your references that i understand to the smallest degree of knowing what dragon ball z is but i've never watched much so 
you you keep up with those references because I'm sure like most of the people enjoy them, and I'm sitting there like, hmm, I'm an idiot. But I will add a little entertainment to this. As I'm watching Danny fuck shit up, all I wanted was like somebody online to fucking put this to some you know early '90s hard ass gangsta rap like natural born killers by Dre and Ice Cube or something because I don't know like that's what I wanted that's what I, I'm thinking I wasn't thinking Dragon Ball Z I was thinking gangsta rap so we both had our things we were considering <laughs> oh god damn it um after that uh I don't know is this right around the time that Jamie and Euron had their fight uh yeah I mean um Cersei starts taking off. Chiron finally talks Cersei into taking off. We see Jamie earlier uh, run, start going down to go through the secret entrance that Tyrion told him about when he let him go. And then it gets cuts back to Jamie and he's about down there, and that's when he runs into Euron. That was, again, another one of my favorite scenes of this episode. Yeah, this was one of my three favorite scenes. So I, I it, it was a fight that wasn't. I wasn't sure if we were definitely going to get Jamie and Euron. Like, I would have said 80% chance, but there was still that shadow of doubt, and I was happy that they at least gave us this. I liked I liked a lot about this. This uh, Euron ch- just talking shit as only Euron... Uh, yo, even down to his fucking dying breath, like... I'm, that, not, cons- I'm not sure he's dead yet. We haven't I, seen a body. I, right, we haven't seen the body, and I was going to ask you that exact question. So... What likelihood do you think that Euron's dead? I think he's pr- pretty fucking dead because, like, I would love to see him ollie his ship over the fucking castle, but after this last episode, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, especially because he doesn't have said ship anymore. But, oh. yeah, his last line, you know, I'm the one who fucking killed Jamie Lannister. <laughs> like, he's led an accomplished life for, for, for a man. He fucked the queen. <laughs> God, Jamie, like, he's done God's work, really. He's killed his brother, he's killed the dragon, he's killed Jamie, he's banged Cersei. Yeah, he's pretty heavy. I wish we were doing the podcast that episode when Euron killed his brother because that was one of the most rushed, out-of-the-blue scenes in Game of Thrones history as far as I'm concerned. Like, I I went back, I was like, what the fuck just happened? It, it was a really interesting moment, to say the very least. So I would have, I wish... We were doing it back then, so we could have had some fun with that, I guess. Um, I don't know. That, that's Of everybody that got killed, uh, Euron, there's, there's two deaths that I really liked. Euron's is one of them. Um, and probably my favorite death because of how, you know, it's just Euron. He just says the fucking funniest stuff. So, um, I guess now would be a good time to bring up Hound and Arya, Hound kind of being like, you don't want to fucking end up like me. You don't want to end up dead. Just get the fuck out of here and then click Abel. <laughs> this, this is just an example of shitty writing in order to fucking get a character somewhere where they want them to be in order for a setup for a later episode. Like, Arya's whole thing this season has been, you know, she's a badass assassin. She's super bad. She fucking killed the Night King. Now she's going to go down to King's Landing and get the last person on her list. She can't stay with Gendry because she's she's not a lady. She's not. She's got something to do. She's doesn't think she's going to come back. She doesn't think she's going to live, like she tells the Hound. Then they get down there, and he's like, hey, you're going to die if you stay here. She's like, okay, bye. Yeah. yeah. It, it went against the grain of the character. 
Okay, bye. See you, Sandor. Bye. I kind of liked you. You're a cunt. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking cunt. <laughs> I was like, I liked like what they tried to do with the scene between her and Sandor. But again, like, if all they wanted to do was have her go to King's Landing, why did they, you know, why did they have her travel with it? You know, it just, it cheapens her character. It, it worked for his character. It cheapens hers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I guess my favorite part about it was that it really made me think, which, you know, I, ah, I'm going to pimp out the website right now. At the blog at com slash blogs, one of the questions I had was something in regard to, like, who did Arya learn the most from? Was it, you know, Sirio Farrell? Was it uh, Jacques uh, Hargen? Hagen? I don't know. Or, or yeah. Hargen. Okay. okay. Or was it the Hound? I, and, I sat there and that's like, I rarely ask a question that I don't have a clear cut answer for, but I don't have a clear cut answer for that particular question yet. I'm most likely just going to write whoever is the least mentioned and try to make an argument for it. That's usually what I do. But honestly, who do you think she learned the most from? Well, I think we can pretty much count out Syria. Because, you know, we... We only had what, maybe one or two episodes of her actually really using her sword. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, he's yeah. the one that kind of got her really training. But you're right. I, I think Serial's got to be a distant third in, in the conversation. And I really, you know, I don't think she really learned too much from the Hound. Yeah, you know, I think she grew as a person, but I don't think she learned too much. I got to say, Jockin, because if nothing else. You know, he gave her all of the skills that she has. Skills yeah. that we haven't seen her use. It, like, well, she has and hasn't used. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but the fact that she's able to, you know, be a stealth assassin and sneak up on the Night King, you know, the fact that she's able to steal, you know, Walter Frey's servant girl's face, you know, that kind of shit. Um, that shit was great. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Depending upon what happens next episode, we'll see whether or not she actually learned something from the Hound. Yeah, that's that's going to be a big gift based on uh, the writing currently. But I'm willing to give everything a chance because, you know, I, I just kind of randomly bitch about this. Really, this coming Sunday, WWE is having a wrestling pay-per-view. Like... Seriously, like, you knew, like, when Game of Thrones was coming back and you thought, oh, this would be a great night to have a sporting event, a pay-per-view event where we're asking people to spend money over watching this series finale of Game of Thrones. Like, that has to be one of the dumbest decisions, right? Like, that's just so dumb. Yeah. I, it baffles me as a wrestling fan and a Game of Thrones fan because I'm not even going to bother with wrestling. Fuck it. Um, but let's talk about one of the most hyped-up things that we've been hoping for for... Seems like for fucking ever, we finally got our Clegane bone. Jesus, Clegane bowl. And before we talk about like the cool fighting and stuff, I want to give a shout out to Kyburn because I think he had the second best death because it was funny. It reminded me a little bit like you know Frankenstein, Doctor Frankenstein and his monster. Like I don't know. I I, I like the death. I I guess. Did you like the death? 
I was almost thinking they were playing it for laughs. It happened so fucking sudden and out of the blue. It, it, yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And yet it worked. Like, I, I thought, I don't know, I, I thought about, like, if Kyburn has to die, he has to die by the hands of the mountain. Like, he has to die by the thing he created. That made the most sense to me, and I, I loved it. So, aside from that, um, we got the cool Okay, here's a question I have for you. Oh, okay. Like, talking with everybody except for you, uh, that I know who watches the show this week, none of them think that Kyburn was a major enough character to warrant putting on, like, death lists. What? Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, oh, who the fuck was he? Oh, he's, hey, there's, they're like, Varys was a major character. He's dealt with a bunch of kings and blah, blah, blah. I was like, it's like, well, the whole reason, you know, the city didn't fall in season two was because of him. The whole reason that, you know, the dragon died last episode was because of him. You know, the whole mountain still being alive thing was because of him you know he's Cersei's hand I'm like I don't know like I figure he was yeah one of the people that I would place in a major list maybe not you know he's not like Lena Headey or Kit Harrington kind of thing but I would say he's one of the you know the top I don't know, 20 or 30 characters that are were left at the start of the season yeah I, I, I think I think top I would go top 25 and not feel too bad about that number and yeah he's a major character because without him so much shit doesn't happen that creates more drama and more episodes and more storyline like fuck man he and and, i don't know i could go on and on because you know i'm a huge kyburn fan but it's kind of like saying oh brian's not a big character and brian was a big character but i think kyburn was infinitely more important if we're being honest well, like, I mean, I look at it like this, like, who had more impact on the story, Kyburn or Leanna Mormont? Oof. Yeah. I mean, no, there's only one way to go with that, and it's Kyburn. I mean, right. yes, she stole every fucking scene she was in, but it wasn't like, um, uh, you know, she was uh, a more important character to the story or whatever have you than, uh, than he was. He wasn't charismatic, and if you're not charismatic on the show or you're not incredibly lovable, I don't think people care as much. Uh, like, I'll go... I don't know. He, he wasn't like Walder Frey, because Walder Frey was just a mean, old, miserable man. But I liked Walder Frey. Uh, I like his portrayal, at the very least, is what I mean. And, like, Kyburn just... I don't know. He didn't really do, like, many horrible things. He did what he was asked to do, and... I don't know. I, I really like him. That That's my opinion and yeah he belongs in top 25 for me um all right clegane bowl happened uh how the (laughs) fuck did the hound survive the head squeeze of death uh well i mean i'm pretty sure that it was actually because he stabbed uh the mountain in the eye at that time but um you know and it was they did a good job with the makeup, but I mean it showed that you know he didn't actually puncture this the skull and gouge the eye sockets the eyes out like he did to Obra. But um, I don't know. I really liked the way it was filmed. I loved the backdrop. I thought that was one of the coolest scenes that the uh, you know things they had done visually oh, in the entire show. I have a question. Did it remind you of Highlander at all? Yeah, that's what it definitely. Yeah, uh, somebody did a. Fuck, there was a, another post where they um, 
compared it to like a whole bunch of other things, you know, that had like the tower and, but yeah, it did remind me of Highlander, especially like the scene where, um, Kurgan and, uh, Ramirez fight. You know, yeah, the, exactly. But I mean, ultimately I think it was kind of unsatisfying. Uh, I don't know, I'd like to hear your thoughts, but I mean, it just like Clegane bowl always seemed like something that had to happen in order for, you know, like Cersei to become vulnerable and something to, you know, to happen afterwards. But considering that it, it just was kind of futile because everybody was already going to die anyways, because Danny went fucking batshit crazy. It almost sent, felt meaningless. It lessened its importance big time. Clegane bowl and, my estimate always was intended to have a winner and you know you could make a valid argument depending on which way the show wanted to go direction wise who was going to win it but i felt that clegane bull deserved a clear-cut winner instead we have a kool-aid man fucking moment going through the wall and like you know the producers like well you know the hound had to die by fire because blah 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 it's poetic no, he really didn't have to. Like, it, once again, Hound is... You know, this this episode killed two of my three boys. Like, two of my three favorite characters this episode killed off. And both were... I don't want to say meaningless, but... They didn't... I don't know. I don't necessarily know if it furthered anything. I, I'd like to think that big deaths further the story in some capacity. And I'm not sure that they really did all that much. I don't know. It it was a let. The, it was fun. It was it was fun. And I'm not too pissed off. I like out of everything that I can be pissed off about. This wasn't one of the things I was pissed about. I just would have preferred something different. I mean, I think they filmed it beautifully. Like between the whole backdrop and then the uh, the plunge to their death. I think that was fucking looks amazing but like yeah i agree it lessened the impact because it was like you're doing this just to do this when like you could walk away and the outcome would still be exactly the same it's, and it's not going to change you know zombie gregor isn't going to go kill a dragon and an entire army and turn the whole tide by himself so you know I, basically I you're throwing your life away in order to get revenge which Potentially could be a lesson that Arya learns next episode, or potentially not, you know, so we'll have to see. Yeah, like, I mean, does she know that they died? I mean, there's going to be no real remains, uh, I don't know. I, I will say this, right before the fight, I loved as they're going down the stairs, like, Cersei and Kyburn kind of, like, cower underneath the mountain as he's, like, preventing the rocks and bricks and all that shit, like, from falling. I don't know, I love that little scene. I don't know. It, it it was exactly what the mountain should have done. I was just happy that it... I don't know. Sometimes I'm happy when logical things actually happen. Oh, yep. and to see what, what kills me is he goes and does something like that, and then, like, three seconds later, he throws Cryburn into the wall and fucking murks the shit out of him. You know, it just... It's like... Yeah. Know, there really hadn't been enough of showing him how like and how much pain he was in how much he hated Kyburn for what he did to him to to really justify that i mean i i get that that fucking was going on in the background but again they just didn't show enough like most cases they say show don't or show don't tell in this case they probably should have told in addition to what they showed 
Yeah, honestly, I I feel like I mentioned this last week. I, I in my mind, I always thought Arya was going to kill Kyburn. I, I I thought that made sense because you know we knew Sandor was going to go against Gregor. So it felt like Arya's purpose there was to take out. I I I, was, I really didn't think she was going to get Cersei because she'd already gotten the Night King. I didn't think she was going to get that moment. So I was like, ah, oh, her killing Kyburn makes a lot of sense. It helped, you know what I mean? It. it I don't know, logic... This whole episode can be summed up using logic and illogical terms here, but... Humans are so illogical. (laughs) Um, Moving on, this is basically when we get the Jamie and Cersei stuff, right? Uh, I want to say we get the Jamie and Cersei stuff after like 15 minutes of fucking dragon porn. Yeah, dragon porn was real. I don't know what else we can call it. I mean... I like dragons as much as the next person, but that was, yeah, a lot of dragon porn. You know, I still, to this day, I, I love the people that are like, oh my god, fucking dragon died. Yeah, 18 people died this season. You're worried about a fucking fake dragon. Cool. <laughs> like, I, I love the, uh, I don't know, the animal enthusiast, if you will. And yes. They just crack me up, I, I guess. But uh, The Society for Cruelty or Prevention of Dragons. Yeah, yeah, that, that shit needs to happen. Um, so I, I'm not sure if this is the single most disappointing thing of this episode, but in every conversation I've had this week about this show, this has been probably the first topic breached or broached. I don't know what word I'm trying to use here, but it's been brought up the most, uh, initially Jamie and Cersei, the death, was it the right decision? Did it? Did it feel lessened? Did it did it feel empty? What I don't know. I didn't like it. I you and I really haven't talked about so you know, this isn't just podcast fodder. I'm genuinely curious, like what the fuck was your takeaway from this? Uh again, they just needed more time. Like there's a, a series of books I read that I really liked back in the day. It was called The Sword of Truth. And um I want to say it was like a, the eleven ep, eleven book series, right? And and around book three, book two, and then book three, they started setting up this emperor guy as a as the main bad guy. You know, he was going to be the one dude that at the end the hero was going to have to tussle with. And um, you know, it got towards the end, and he had all the upper hands, and then the the hero manipulates everything so that the the dude ends up getting got. And he's as the dude's sitting there dying, he's like, "Come fight me!" And the guy's like, "No, you're not. You're not even fucking worth it. I'm just gonna let leave you alone. No one's gonna know where you're buried. Nobody's gonna know how you died. You're not worth my fucking time to even, you know, kick the shit out of." Yeah, I I have a feeling that that was kind of what they were trying to go at. You know, like Cersei, you did so much evil shit that, you know, it, you're it's. It wasn't going to be some major, you know, Arya wasn't going to assassinate you. It was just going to be, you're going to die alone and unmourned and nobody's going to even know where your fucking body is because they keep it. But, you know, they they didn't play it off. The other thing was the way they filmed it, it almost seemed like they were trying, like, Danny turns evil within the course of a couple minutes and they always seemed like they were trying to make you feel... Um, sympathetic towards Cersei as she's dying, you know, she's like, I don't want my baby to die, my baby, my baby, boom, you know, the rock falls on. Yeah, they were definitely trying to play with emotions, and I I agree. Everything you just said about, like, not getting that glorious death, if you will, 
it reminds me of something I can't think of. The movie, I'm pretty sure it's a movie that I'm trying to think of, uh, that has some a similar connotation to it. Um, but if I'm being real here, like, I really wanted Cersei... I like Cersei. I, I found Cersei genuinely entertaining. I loved how she p- was portrayed the whole time. Uh, yeah, like, Yori gave us a shitty Night King death. Like, that that death wasn't that great. So, maybe bump it up a notch with Cersei's death, and instead, I feel like both of these huge deaths were very filled with, like, undertones, and it just... I don't know. Every once in a while, just fucking go big. It doesn't have to be with a fucking dragon. Go big with, like, a cool death. Like, Hodor's death was a huge spectacle in in some capacity. I don't know. I thought Cersei... And I, too, I also thought Jamie deserved it, too. I, I don't know. It, people, it just, people really look down on... Um, uh, what the hell's the, the term? Um, uh, when they, they give in to the fans, they give them what they want. Ah, like fan service or... Thank you, fan service. That was what I exactly was looking for. And, you know, there there are times when you can get away with not doing it, and there are times you can't. You can get away with uh, not having fan service for Joffrey because, you know, A, it's already been written in the books, and so the people out there who know it. But, you know, the series isn't over. You know, you don't have just one more episode left. So the fact that they took, you know, this death that people had been hoping for because she's just been such a bitch the entire fucking series. Um, didn't give Jamie, you know, a, a better end to his arc either. Um, it, it kind of just spits in the fans' faces. I mean, have you you haven't seen Have you seen Endgame yet? I have not. Well, you you saw Infinity War, right? Yes. It would be like them, you know, Thanos kills half of everybody, and then they just ignore him and never go have anything to do with him in the sequel. You know, you'd be like, what the fuck? You know, I, it's cathartic when you see a somebody who is less than good get what they deserve. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm a, I'm a fan of wrestling. I'm so used to... I mean, that's the whole thing with wrestling. You have bad people do bad things, and eventually one of the good guys finally puts them in their place, and the crowd goes crazy, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's Wrestling 101, so like... I'm used to it. I like that story. I like the way those stories are. And like I said, had had the Night King had a more spectacular death, I may have been more receptive to this. But because the Night King, like, Arya just shows up fucking out of nowhere, drops her spear and stabs him, kills him, that's it. Okay. I mean, and, and that death worked fine. But you can't give me that death and give me Cersei's death the way it is and expect me to be like, no, that's cool. Cause it's it's just not. I I I'm very anti this decision. Uh, so, and from what I've read, what who I've talked with, everybody kind of seems very very much let down. So, yay. Um, <clears throat> there's not much else. I mean, Danny just keeps fucking shit up. <clears throat> and I mean, what we had like. 15 minutes of Arya getting fucking covered in ash and trying to help the lady and her her daughter and then Arya just kind of rides off on her white horse and I'm sitting there thinking am I watching the fucking Walking Dead here because, you know, kind of similar, but I don't know, did you like 
how they did the Arya stuff because I actually liked how they filmed it, and I understand you know they said that they wanted to have a character that we were familiar with. Did did you like that? Uh, it was, except for the fact that she survived like six buildings falling on her. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, she uh, she quote unquote overcame the odds and. How how that horse like all right I I even accept that Arya survived how the fuck did that horse survive? I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> see I, I I've asked everybody that question and people are like I I don't know and I'm like yeah exactly there's no way that fucking horse survived that okay it, that that was the inexplicable thing to me and um before we really delve deeply into the whole. Danny thinks I know we have to have that conversation. I just want to say, I don't know if you saw the news story that there are parents, there's at least a set of parents that's super, super fly pissed off because they named their child Khaleesi and now they're upset about it because of Danny's heel turn, if you will. I don't feel an ounce of sympathy for somebody dumb enough to name their child after a character that's still in the show currently. Like, wait until you have have the whole full spectrum of the character before you actually, you know, give your child that fucking name. Do you feel any sympathy for these people? Yes, uh, we named our son. You know, we got the obviously Owen's a real name rather than Khaleesi or Daenerys or something. But we got the uh, the idea to name him from a, a TV show, uh, not because. We're naming him after the character because we like the character. We're just like, oh, you know, not a lot of people are named Owen, and that's an interesting name. And then, like, the very next season, the dude, like, turned to, you know, cheated on his wife, like, six times. And you know, it was just like, oh, seriously? Fuck, fuck that shit. But wow. at, the, at the same time, <laughs> the show has been building her up for seven years to be a hero, you know, a force for good. You know, hinting subtly here and there that she might not necessarily be that but yeah they've definitely portrayed her as a hero you know she's overcome everything that they've thrown at her unlike like Cersei who you know she's had that fucking smirk on her face every time she did something and she overcame things through betrayals and whatnot rather than you know Danny through strength and overcoming adversity and then to you know one episode from the end to have her turn into the fucking the end boss I mean I don't know it was like a a twist that came out of nowhere. M. Night Shyamalan didn't see that one coming. Necessarily. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I I started souring on Danny when it seemed like every fucking season had to end with some epic scene featuring Danny doing something big, and I was like, I am so sick of this shit. And eventually I kind of turned my aggression on her, so then I started... You know, like, if you turn on somebody, like, you start, like, looking at things differently. Like, you have a girlfriend, and her cute quirks, you break up, and suddenly you're like, how the fuck did I tolerate this? That's how my relationship with Danny was. So, for the past, I don't know, three seasons, I've been kind of, like, looking at the negative sides of her. Uh, so, I don't want to say it, was, it wasn't surprising, because I really didn't know if they were actually going to pull the trigger on it. Uh, I was hoping they would. Uh, I don't know. It, Danny's just, you know, she she was the young young girl that kind of had a shit shit thing going on, and she was underestimated, and she achieved, and a lot of people can relate to that. So I I get it. I just I don't know. Fuck, man. I would not name my kid Khaleesi. Davos, maybe. 
Khaleesi, no. Night King Waldron, that's a good name, though. Hodor? <laughs> that was... <laughs> I, I told my friend Tom, I'm like, how does Hodor Hodor Pratt sound? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Like, Hodor's great. Did they... Alright, he asked me this question. Did they ever reveal his actual name? They did in that one episode, right? Yeah, I can't remember what it was now, but yes, they, okay. they revealed his name. I thought so. His mother was saying, was crying, you know, come help, blah, 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 blah. She wasn't mm. saying, come help, creature Hodor. <laughs> right. Um, so, I, I I don't know how much you want to talk about Danny. I, I don't really know what more is left to say. Like, I... I I saw the preview, and uh, where did the preview take place when she was going down the steps? Was that like Marine, or is that, that can't be King's Landing, can it? Yeah, that's King's Landing. So, do you think we've jumped ahead in time, some? No, I think it's actually going to take place, like, immediately afterwards. How is that fucking place not ruined? Like, she went down some very nice stairs. I thought, like... I don't know. She kind of like from what it looked like to me, she was walking downstairs in between the two uh, wings of the palace that had been destroyed. Okay, I could see that. That that makes some sense. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Are you are you are you on board with them trying to add some intrigue to the final episode, or should if they were going to do this, should they have taken like done this? a while, at least last season or the very beginning of the season to give us time to, you know, get our shit together, I guess. Uh, you like, th- you, and, you and I talked a couple weeks ago, you know, and I stretched it out. I was like, in order for a, a ship shit, in order for a shit <laughs> a show like this to, to really, I think, end well, you kind of need to do like the Lord of the Rings ending, where you know, the last episode needed to be, okay, this is where what happened with all of your fucking favorite fucking characters and you know with with what like an hour and a half left maybe maybe two hours left i don't see how they can fucking wrap it up to be satisfactory to anybody because you know they they introduced plot points in the semi the penultimate episode that now have to be addressed in the last episode or you're going to just leave people with fucking like so many unanswered questions it's not going to even be funny that's yeah, just, really my biggest fear yeah. is having so many unanswered questions because by now I, I expected you know 95% of my questions to be answered. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really think that they fucked themselves with this episode. You know, there were questionable decisions they've made in, in every episode this season. I mean, look at like episode one and two were like, God, there's so much shit they need to fit in. How are they going to do it with only this many episodes left? And yeah, they've taken out like a whole bunch of the conflict, but now they've bred an entirely new, brand new conflict that has really hasn't been touched on in the second to last episode that needs to be addressed. You know, there's no, nothing else to do. They can't just let a shit fucking hang. Otherwise, they're going to have like be known as the company that fucking pulls Sopranos endings just over and over and over again with their popular series. Yeah. Uh, I mean,. Yeah, you and I talked about how episodes one and two, they were really good, and they felt like good Game of Thrones episodes, but they weren't fast enough considering what they had to accomplish this season. That, that was you know a gripe that we had, and now it's just, it, like, in hindsight, I'm looking like, 
well, maybe they could have somehow combined episode one and two into that episode. I, I see no reason why they couldn't have in some way. Because we need more time. Because let, I don't think there's any way John and Danny are both going to survive next week. Do you? Did you read uh, my answers on the blog yet? I have not. All right. Well, since uh, since nobody else potentially reads them, and I can just fucking say whatever I want here. Uh, all right. So let's see. Because it was funny, I, I answered one of your questions, and then I answered the quest the very next question you answered next in that question that I was answering. Um, okay. So I think. All right. I have a feeling that Arya, Danny, Drogon, Tyrion, Greyworm, all gonna die. I'm like fifty-fifty on whether or not John lives. But no matter what, at this point, I think Sansa ends up on the throne. So, San- Sansa's do her big moment is Bran. Go- like, it, what's left for Bran to do for a big moment? Like, the only thing I can think of is him warging into Drogon. Yes, that's that's like basically if he's even gonna be in it, it's like the only thing I can think of. His name's Isaac Hempstead, isn't it? Yes, thank you. There we go. <laughs> I knew eventually I'd think of it. Did you hear that his girlfriend has never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones? What a philistine. Although maybe she knew. He gave her all the spoilers because he could see the future. Ooh. Well, he spends all his time in the past, though. But, but the future is the past once you've lived it. Oh man, we just went to some X-Men Days of Future Past shit right now. Like, I, I'm really curious. I, I agree, like, it, it feels like Sansa's going to somehow end up with... I think there's going to be some twist at the end that's going to leave people, like, that... Like, I don't know, I, I feel like there's something large, and it's probably going to be something fucking Soprano-y. Which I never watched Sopranos, so I'm, you know, speaking out of what I do know about the show. I never really watched it either because it was one of the things that like came out while I was in the military and didn't have access to HBO, and it was just uh, like it didn't seem very interesting to me. But and it really still doesn't. I haven't gone back and watched it. So I I'm not one of those people that gets a fucking raging hard on for anything that's related to, you know, the mafia or the mob or anything, but, you know, we know people out there that are fucking obsessed with that shit. Um, so, knowing what little we do know, uh, and by the way, I, it's funny, uh, I gotta tell you, Sunday night, I didn't watch the episode till like an hour after, you know, it started, and I went on my computer, I, no, I went on my phone, I went to check something, and I saw that I had a message, and it was from the, from Chris B, from our blog, and he's like, hey, you got something right, they played Reigns of Casimir, I'm like, well, I guess Cersei and Jamie fucking died, and I was happy to actually get one thing right this season, because that's probably about the extent of it. Um, did you feel that Bronn should have showed up at any point during this episode concerned his whole claim is useless unless a Lannister is alive? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, there's just, again, we would have lost time for dragon porn, so. 
And I know you wanted to talk about Tyrion some, so... Uh, oh, I was going to say, like, just looking at his face now, he's got to be like, you know, shit, I fucked up. I should have fucking backed Varys and helped Jon Snow because he never would have nuked fucking King's Landing. Now, you know, all of these deaths are on my head because of plot-based incompetence, so... Yeah, his facial expressions throughout the whole episode were spot on, and yeah, I, I definitely think Tyrion's... Uh, we've had so many deaths, it, it's hard to imagine, but like, if they're never going to do anything beyond this, it sounds like they're working on pre-sequels, then, I don't know, I guess you can kill off as many people as you feel necessary, because right now there's not much of a kingdom and King's Landing, at least, to rule. I don't know how important or unimportant that is, because depending on the character, you know, some people are like, I have to sit on the Iron Throne, and that's more important than actually just having the title. You know, like, everybody has weird levels of what they find important in this in this show, I guess. Um, yes, I agree with you there very much. Uh, do you... Alright, do you think uh, Arya's going to get another big moment, or was her big moment simply the Night King? Oh, I mean, the whole way it's fucking setting up is she's gonna kill Danny, No doubt. Or if she doesn't kill Danny, she's going to kill Grey Worm and possibly Drogon to give Jon a chance to kill Danny and possibly die himself in the attempt so Sansa can inherit the Iron Throne after everybody else in the series who we actually like is dead. If they end it with Sansa giving us, like, an evil little finger-type smile or smirk, I'd be okay with that. Like, I'm not a huge Sansa fan, but if they wanted, if they went that route, it, it would at least make some sense. Because I don't think they're going to give us John on the Iron Throne. It, it's, I think that's something that every most people want. I would say the majority of people want John on the throne to finish this show, and I I do not think they're going to give us that. See, I I would I don't know, I would disagree. I mean, part of the whole thing, the reason that you go through seeing, you know, people in such shitty situations is because of the hope that at the end of the the story, you know, the bad guys get what's their due, the good guys finally triumph in the end, you know that makes like all the deaths and all the pain and all the suffering worthwhile to have gone through in order to, you know, hope everything works out. This just kind of feels nihilistic. Like, you know, if they end up killing off all of the fucking good characters and the only person left is basically no finger slash little finger junior, um, or resting bitch face, depending upon what you want to call her. I, I really just feel like, you know, like, I don't see Sansa being there for, like, the good of the people, you know, or the, the good of the kingdom. I see her just being like, okay, now it's time for me to fuck everybody who fucked me over in the past. Yeah. Uh, and I'm definitely believing, bec- I don't know. I, I, my bold prediction, I, I will say, is that I definitely think we're seeing Tormund next week helping John. I, I, I think we're going to get that... Ian Tormund ride down on Ghost to kind of make up for some of the shit that fucking we had to go through this week. Absolutely. It, it, it would. I mean, we got to see at least one dire wolf in the fi- finale. Like, the dire wolf was, like, one of the biggest, like, early things that we saw in, in the whole franchise. And I'm not sure if we're ever going to see Nymeria. So, Ghost is our hope in, in that regard. 
uh, I don't know. Like, I'm intrigued, but did this episode take like sap you of some of your excitement, or are oh, you still? It really, it really killed a lot of excitement for it. Not just sap; it fucking killed a lot of it. That that's what a lot of people have told me, and I know I'm finicky, so I was like, well, maybe it's just me, but I, I've heard a lot of people like. People haven't gone so far as to say, I don't give a fuck, I'm not going to watch it, but a lot of people are a lot more indifferent and not as eager as they were because this is just turned into dragon porn. I, I think, I hope like, that I remember to like tag dragon porn for this. I, I really, I talked with my brother earlier and I was like, listen, I mean, I, I don't think any of this shit came out of left field, but the fact that they condensed the season so much just really makes it not work on a fundamental level for the storytelling. Like, literally, this episode right here shows why they should have done the whole 10-episode season. You could have put uh, one more episode in between uh, the Battle for Winterfell and the start of the season. You could have put one more episode after the Battle for Winterfell and the start of the season. Uh, And then one episode in between what happened in episode 4 and episode 5. And then one episode at the very end to show how everything wraps up. And I think it would have flowed probably better, and you would have been able to build up the characterizations that, you know, see where Danny starts fucking losing it. I mean, they've shown it in a couple scenes, but going from I am the breaker of chains to I am the burner of children, I mean, that's just further than she's gone ever before. To see, you know, Cersei give Cersei a plan B and a plan C and let them fall apart to see that she finally fucking falls apart when she doesn't have her way with everything. You know, give us time with Jamie and Brienne instead of just one night so when he leaves to go to Cersei again it shows that, okay, it's not that his character arc was that he was going to change, his character arc is that he can't change, but we're only seeing that at the, like, the last 45 minutes of his fucking screen time. Yeah, I would have given Gendry and Arya a, a few more scenes just to flesh that out a little, little yeah, bit. Give Gendry, or not excuse me, Gendry, give Arya and the Hound a little bit more. You know, show them uh, on the way down, or like give him some way to show her how his life is fucking empty and he regrets the fact that he's dedicated it to revenge so that he hopes for something better to happen to her instead of just having him fucking, oh, go home now. Okay, bye. I, I probably would have had everything that happened in this episode wrap up by episode 7 because I, I feel like you need two to three episodes to go through Danny being queen. Like I I feel there's a lot of little stories that could be told that's not going to be told. I, there's not time to tell it now, and there could have been a lot of cool... Like a full episode of just Danny being queen... And seeing who she picked, and John, you know, heading back to Winterfell to recuperate, what, whatever. Like, I would have liked just that episode as like episode number eight, and then whatever the plan was to dethrone Danny for an episode nine, and then have that, you know, final episode that you and I eagerly want that we won't get. So, <sighs> I don't know, I. I'm sad because I'm sad knowing that in what four days it's going to be done, and it's it's going to take so much for it to be done right. I don't know if it can be done right at this point, or 
by yeah, right, I mean I, my expectations. I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. You know, it, it, was, it was like they always knew they were never going to be able to please everybody. But at this point, like, I don't know if they'll be able to please anybody. Right. Like, your whole goal should be to please enough people so that they remember the show fondly. Because if people are pissed off, they're not going to be like, tell their future generations, hey, there was this great show that aired, you know, back in fucking 2012 you know, or whatever. Like, who's going to want to recommend this if the show ends up, you know, like such a shit show? It, it, it's weird. It's very weird to me. Uh, I, Danny had her, I don't know, I, I know this is nerdy cliche, but she had her Anakin moment because Anakin was kind of cool for a moment and then suddenly he was just slaughtering, you know, children, Jedis, and fucking training. And Danny was just, you know, doing the same, just fucking killing kids. I need to turn you in, Senator. Okay, let's go kill some kids. <laughs> God damn it, that that whole fucking thing. Be- between that and the Mace Windu, uh, I'll never get past the Mace Windu final fight. Uh, I'll always be bit bitter about I it. I have to follow you because he has a purple lightsaber. <sighs> you know what, though? I would... I don't want to say I would kill for a purple lightsaber because I don't really feel like killing people, but I would do a great amount of work for a purple lightsaber because I like the color purple. Just tossing that out there. It was a good movie. I don't remember if I've seen it. I feel like I did. It came out, what, in the 80s or 90s, right? Are you there? Oh, shit. Did I meet myself again? Yeah, I think it came out in the 80s because I remember being young enough to really be affected by it when it was was out, rather before I became jaded by the 90s. Ah, uh, we we are jaded motherfuckers. That, huh, I just clicked on IMDb and apparently Suspiria is on... The new Suspiria is on Amazon Prime video. I'm kind of curious about watching that. But yeah, that's I'm all. not really a big fan of Dakota Johnson, so I think I'll probably pass. Yeah, 1985 for Color Purple. Gotcha. Um, one other thing that's very random, but I feel it fits this show's discussion because I have long pined for this particular story to be adapted by HBO and I just recently found out that CBS picked up the rights to do The Stand. They're doing 10 hour long episodes and I'm so disappointed. Like devastatingly disappointed because if somebody was going to pick it up HBO or Showtime made the most sense to me. I don't know. Did did you even know about this? I actually just read about it the other day, and Stephen King was super fucking excited. Um, I remember him talking about the uh, the chance to uh, update like the special effects and the the gore. So I mean, they're talking about making it really fucking gory. So you know, hopefully, it'll end up living up to it. Uh, I'm definitely excited to get you know the extra two hours over the uh, original miniseries. And, um, yeah, I mean, if hopefully it continues with the trend of decent to good Stephen King adaptations that we're getting recently. Aside from the Dark Tower. <laughs> I said, that, yeah, well, I, that one was kind of like the end of the pre-good shit. <laughs> yep. Although, well, I still haven't seen the remake of Pet Cemetery, so I can't judge it without seeing it. So, but... 
All right. Do you have uh, any final thoughts? Because next week's going to be our last Game of Thrones podcast. Any any final weird predictions you want to make? Go on record. I am going to say that this is probably going to be the most disappointing finale on record. Probably bypassing Seinfeld, I think. God damn, that is... I, I can s- totally see that because at the end of the day, Seinfeld was a half-hour sitcom. And as disappointing as it was, <sighs> I don't sit back and, and think like, oh, I don't really want to watch Seinfeld because of how it ended. Like, I still re-watch Seinfeld. This ending could really affect the replayability or rewatchability of of the show, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. They Not only do you have potentially up to three spinoffs coming that you want people to watch but you have you know just the season season seven or excuse me season eight dvds you have to sell then you're going to come back and sell okay the entire game of thrones you know collection that you're going to try to sell then you know if you continue to keep going you're going to be trying to market you know okay can we do any video video games or uh additional tie-offs, you know, using the likenesses of the people while we still have the rights to use them, you know. So, you know, they're potentially not only tanking their show, but merchandise and marketing rights and, you know, all that shit to go along with it. So, you know, it doesn't... It's like, um... There was a saying when I was in the military, and it pretty much applies to a lot of things. You can... Okay, there's a dirty version of it too that I can give, but it was like one a thousand uh, attaboys are erased by one fuck up, and it's like it doesn't matter how good you do, the only thing that people remember is the last mistake that you made. You know, it doesn't matter if everything you do is great before that. If you end on a fucking shitty note, that's what people are going to remember. Or, you know, like there's another version of that, like you can build a thousand bridges, but if you suck one cock, you're known as a cocksucker instead of a bridge builder. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, hell, dude, that's the Chris Benoit story in a fucking nutshell. Had a great career and may or may not have murdered his wife and son. And, you know, dude is pretty much revered in a horrible light. And, yeah, I mean, that probably happens to a lot of a lot of people, but it, it's a shame. Um it's, you know, if the more popular your piece of entertainment is, the more important it is for you to get the ending. I mean, look at it. Look at Avengers uh, Endgame. You know, whether or not it's going to become the number one movie of all time is still up for debate, but within three weeks it's become the number two movie of all time sales-wise because they took the fact that it was an ending, even if it's not completely ending the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just this phase of it or the phases of it that they've been leading up to but they took it seriously and they gave fan service and you know stuff that people weren't expecting but they they didn't shit on their fans in order to try to shock people or to twist the story in a way that nobody was expecting whereas this you know there were so many like we said the other day you know there's so many ways that they could go with danny you know and i would have seen yeah okay she could be the the bad guy by the end of the show but you know, just having her, like, out of nowhere, just get angry face on and decide to massacre, you know, what, maybe a tenth, a sixth, somewhere in that area of the entire population of the whole continent that she's on, that she came to rule, 
makes no sense to me. Uh, yeah, no. It, it was too late in the story to tell that story. That uh, that's that's what it comes like. You could tell that story even. I would not do it as illogical, but you can tell that story, but you need to have a follow-up, and we're not ever going to get the fo- the proper follow-up that fans need, and that's always going to be a, a thing. Um, something you said that makes me... I, I have a fun question for you, something fun. You you were talking about how you know they got to sell you know DVDs and Blu-rays and shit like that, and usually once a TV show ends, they do some special edition box set, and usually it can be in, like, a fun shape or, or something like that. If you could make the 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 complete set, like, on Blu-ray or DVD, what would be, like, what would be the shape or what would the item be like, just for fun? Depending upon how next week goes, it would probably be a dragon shitting all over the Iron Throne. <laughs> Ah, uh, that would sell like hotcakes. I, I, you know, initially I want to say the Iron Throne, but that's boring. I think I would go with the wall. I don't know why, but I like the wall. If if I could do, you know, depending upon how they end it, if they even just satisfactorily end it, not a good ending, just an okay ending, I would like like a kind of a uh, floating, you know, depending upon how they they get it but the the whole crown that they show at the beginning of the episodes you know the one that had the the dragon the wolf the uh stag and the lion and the the four corners from the yeah the introduction they play yeah that the introduction alone they could do a lot of cool shit with that as far as the entire collection goes like they've always done cool shit with that introduction so, uh, I don't know. I, I just thought that'd be something interesting. I'm really curious how they do market it. And then I'm wondering, am I actually going to buy it? I'm not going to buy it initially, but I'll probably wait two to three years when it plummets in price to about 80 to 60 bucks, and then I'll pick it up. Oh, I won't lie. Like, I look at some of the shit and how expensive it is when it comes out. You know, as much as I love, like, Lord of the Rings, you know, if I hadn't bought each extended edition as it came out back when they were coming out, I probably wouldn't have dropped you know like 120 on the whole fucking set i would have waited until it was on sale or reduced or something i waited waited on like the hobbit extended editions until they dropped in price yeah because lord of the rings had special edition then enhanced edition then limited edition then super duper fucking they came in like packages that were like as thick as the fucking bible like the the blue green and red ones those are the ones i have but they're like super thick i mean they're very nice editions i don't know how many discs are in them or anything but i'm glad i waited like i i waited uh i didn't wait on star wars and fuck man they took my money and i'm not even mad about it star wars has given me so much so much but still in hindsight i probably would have waited i didn't need it right then and there yeah i mean that's the shitty thing with star wars is like how many times they come out and just keep re-releasing editions but i mean the good thing for me for lord of the ring i used to watch the extended editions every time I would take my big vacation for the year. Uh, and now with the Hobbit extended editions as well, I think I can possibly just sit there for over a day and just watch fucking Lord of the Rings movies from one end to the other. I think it's like 25 hours worth of fucking video. Wow. I remember probably the year that um, episode seven came out. 
I was like, you know what? I haven't done this in a while. I, I told myself I was going to sit down and I was going to watch episodes one through six because I, I didn't have seven. I don't think seven come out on disc yet. And I tried that and I, I did complete it, but I was like, you know what? I'm never fucking watching the goddamn prequels again. Not doing it. Like, I like sitting down just watching the original trilogy. That's all I need. It, I, I feel good about that. I, I I don't know when all of a sudden done if I'm even going to care about buying episode 8. Oh, I don't care about episode 8, but, you know. Yeah, I haven't bought it and never will occupy any space on my shelf. And after watching that, the prequels are so much better, it's not even fucking funny. <laughs> I'm not against everything you just said. Like, I, I am not. so fucking glad, you know, even if they fuck up the ending of Game of Thrones, that Benny Weiss got the next fucking Star Wars trilogy and Ryan Johnson's shit was cancelled. Fuck you, Ryan Johnson. I like... I love the anger here because uh, you're speaking for for me as well in that regard. And I'm still... I'm disappointed to the fact like I still haven't watched uh, the Han Solo movie. I, I, I want to. I imagine it's probably okay, but episode 8 soured, soured me big time. Want to watch it just so I can be like, wow, Solo was better than Episode 8. Fuck you, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> can you get all that printed on a shirt? <laughs> I probably could, actually. Just like a big picture of his face or like my middle finger sticking up his nose or something. That'd be fantastic. All right. Now we're probably getting to the point where we're dragging on here. Do you have anything else you want to say before we end this podcast? I really don't. I, you know... I was an apologist for a lot of the fucking shit that they fucked up in this season and even the past seasons. And I was just like, cause we always had the ending to look forward to. We're like, as long as they end it well, you know, it'll make up for the places where they, they fucking drop the ball here and there. But I don't know. It feels like they fumbled on the one yard line and Michael Vick got it and ran it back all the way to the fucking other end zone for a fucking touchdown. And then he killed his pet pit bull in the end zone as a fucking celebration. So I don't know. That was an interesting route you you just took. I was going to say compare us to uh, every woman in a lifetime movie where you know we've just kind of taken a shitload beating and we keep apologizing. As you said, you're an apologist. I'm an apologist for for the show, and uh, I feel like the final beatdown before the woman leaves her man or before she kills her man is is this week. I think, and I also used to watch a lot of lifetime movies, so. I'm not proud of that at all. But you're probably in touch with your inner woman slash child. You know, I, it's weird because I grew up watching horror movies and Lifetime movies. Like, I don't, they don't really go hand in hand, but that's kind of like what my mom liked, so I, I just watched shit with her. That, that was kind of the whole gist. I, I, I really think, you know, looking back, that's what it was. So, now I can't. Unless it's a really good chick flick. Like, there are some good chick flicks. I'm not saying that all of them are worthless. Most of them are to me, but there are still some good ones. But with that being said, uh, we're going to wrap this up. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully in a lot happier mood. But uh, that that that's a 50-50 proposition at best in, in my estimation. So... Uh, please check us out at ninedeuce.com slash blogs slash and uh, read up because we have 
I think like eight different people now contributing to the blog. It, it's a lot of people. Do, like, I don't think people realize it takes me like six hours now to edit the blog. It's it's an absurd amount. So that is a pretty long time. Yeah, but I I, I have fun doing it too. Like I, I guess that's the other thing. So I do have fun. Uh, so with that being said, thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Podcasts and wherever else you can probably find us or. Just go to NineDeuce.com. I mean, that's really what's going to make me happiest. Uh, With that being said, thank you, and have a good night, guys. Peace out, peeps.